From the verb innovare, which means simply to innovate, to reform, or to change. But what is innovation? It's often tough to define, but we know it when we see it. It's a new idea, creative thoughts, new imaginations, methods, theories, it's bettering ourselves. But we take these actions often out of necessity. So what if we could harness the scrapper mentality, the hustler, the actions of those who are just trying to survive and put it into everyday use? This is my passion project. I've attended some of the world's largest innovation conferences, developed the latest and greatest technology, and produced change within organizations who were built on and preach tradition. Now I'm here to help entrepreneurs and everyday individuals make small changes and establish a new normal through new methods, ideas, and standards to change your life forever. I'm Roy Edwards, and welcome to the Innovare Project. I welcome you to Innovare. Yeah, this is where we innovate. This is the podcast where changes all made. If you're not growing, then you're dying. Innovation is the key to surviving. This is Innovare, where we ain't scared to make that change and create a new way. Uh huh. If you're ready to learn and sit back and just chill, it's about to get real. This is Innovare. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Innovare Podcast. I am your host Roy Edwards, and I got a good one today. So this is this is season three. So I don't know if that's important to anybody out there who's counting, but I am really excited about this. And here in season three, we're going to get a little more technical. We're going to get in some tech stuff. And who better to kick off like business technology than this next guest? I mean, if if you guys are familiar with uh, with walkthroughs or how tos or really just you've searched any type of internet. Thing out there, blog, YouTube, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, this guest, she is all over it. I, I, she's my go-to with anything Microsoft related. So really excited to have her in. She's the process automation princess, the SharePoint siren, and the karaoke queen, which I might have to ask about that one. That one, I, uh, I, need, to, I need to prod a little bit on that one. She's a woman who codes but teaches others to build apps and automation with zero code. As an active community member with her YouTube and blog, she's a former MVP and regularly speaks at events across the country as a power platform developer advocate at Microsoft. Welcome into the Innovare podcast, April Dunham. April, how are you? Good. That was quite the introduction. First of all, I love the intro and the song there. And then, yeah, what a way to, what a cool intro for myself. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the, I, I wish I could say that that was me singing or rapping or whatever, but it's not. Uh, my buddy Joey, but thank you very much for that. And speaking of singing and intros, I'm gonna ask you about the karaoke queen because that that one I have to know more. So please, please do tell what, how, why are you the karaoke queen? I mean, I just, I just love karaoke. So I like putting that in my bio. I was saying like since I was uh, a little kid and choir and all that, and uh, you know, did, even playing uh, some some bands. Um, here, you know, so with my husband and a friend, and I just, you know, karaoke is a regular occurrence for me on Friday nights. <laughs> so what's your go-to, now we're like, I'm off script already, but what is your, what's your go-to karaoke song here? So I love uh, rock music, so probably Highway to Hell by ACDC is my go-to song. Highway to Hell, yeah. that's a good one. I figure, so I'm by no means a karaoke star in, in, in any form of the fashion. But I find that the more that you get the crowd involved, like songs like that, then the more fun it is. Right. I'm not like a, you know, I'm not the next American Idol. So I always I, I think that's a great choice. Great. I mean, choice. That's the key. Right. Karaoke. That's what what I love about it. It's not about 
being a technically good singer. It's about being entertaining and having fun and getting other people involved. So yeah, there's really no judgment. So that's what I love about it. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So here we are to talk to you about some, uh, some cool technology stuff, which I, myself, we have a very similar background, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into here, but we're both, uh, we both come from the SharePoint world, which is, which is how I found you in the first place. And then as Microsoft has evolved and they do all these power platform stuff, um, you know, us SharePoint people, we had to evolve with it. Right. So first off, before we get into anything specific, in that bio that we talked about, there's the Power Platform Developer Advocate. So what is a Power Platform Developer Advocate? Yeah, so great question. Let's talk about what developer advocates are in general. So you might have heard the terms um, evangelist or uh, maybe developer relations. So that's kind of the same thing. So we have advocates, evangelists, developer relations. Um, really, our main goal as you know, developer evangelist and um, advocates here is to represent software developers. And so, you know, our goal is to be the voice of the user. So doing that, we collect feedback from people using the product. So in my case, I'm focused on Power Platform here at Microsoft, but we have advocates for all kinds of technologies, you know, from the Microsoft 365 stack, to Azure and uh, JavaScript and .NET and all of that. So we kind of have our own little focus areas that we work on. Um, so again, just collecting feedback from people using the product. So like, you know, does something, you know, suck in the product that we really need to address? Is there something missing um, really big that we need to add to make it more valuable? And another key thing about it is, you know, is there content missing? You know, we've, we want to really make it as easy as possible for people to start using the Power Platform. So if there's gaps in the content that we provide um, that need to be filled to make it easy to, you know, start using our products, we want to, as advocates, get that feedback and make the content necessary, which is, you know, partly what I do with my YouTube channel and blog and, you know, creating documentation um, and content on the Microsoft blogs. I love it. And so with that portion of it, right? So if I hear that correctly with, with a, a, an advocate, there's, and I'm going to throw a tech term out there, which I know you obviously will know, but for the listeners, so there's CICD, right? Continuous uh, integration, continuous development. Yep. And a part of that loop in the feedback loop is, uh, feedback from the end user. So I assume the advocate plays a very vital role in the customer and the user base and understanding that next version of the of the release. Is that yeah, I mean, yeah, you perfectly summed it up. I mean, that that's our big goal. We want to get that feedback and get it back to the people internally that can make and implement whatever feedback that is from the community and from the people using the product. So we want yeah. to be that intermediary there to to get that feedback and make things happen. Yeah, I love that because a lot of people think that so Microsoft is huge, right? And and yeah. there are, you know, AWS, I know we're not supposed to talk about Amazon, and I will only say <laughs> for a couple seconds. But those companies, they're so large, and you go to the events, and the there are like areas within Microsoft that are like small businesses that are that are there to help. And you have those small business advocates, you have the power platform teams, you have all these different teams where you're more approachable. I, I think it's really cool. I I love what what Microsoft and, and others in the industry that we won't mention are doing to make it more readily accessible. I think it's really cool. I think the advocate is one of the, one of the cooler things that, that Microsoft has done. So well done. Bravo. <laughs> so uh, now that we, now that we've gotten to the job description out of, out of the way, what's your background? Like, so I, like I said before, we have a similar professional background, but like, did you grow up with like a computer in the house and running on pick, kid picks and stuff like that? Is, is this April's backstory? 
Yeah, pretty much. I was kind of always that computer nerd growing up. Um, so no, no one in my family, oddly enough, was like really technical. They didn't have any, you know, technical type jobs, but I just got interested in it in a young age. So I started building, I think I built my own computer uh, when I was nine. So got got into that then. And um, I, you know, got into development. So through to kind of pay my way through college um, and early on in high school, I had my own little side business where I would uh, make like WordPress sites and all of that so for, for extra cash to pay my way through that so just something I was always really passionate about and liked and I knew that I wanted to do something in this field it took me a while to figure out exactly what um but I was always a, a technology nerd yeah not alone there I, so I had no idea what I wanted to do either. so I'd you were you around for angel fire do you remember angel fire I it was like free free websites basically it was like here free hosting where you can build on HTML or whatever. Yeah. I had like five or six of them and <laughs> just spam come to find out later, but, but they were like free websites you could build on. And I went, you know, and built a bunch of websites and fell into this too. And it, it, when you immerse yourself into technology, sometimes it's not always clear as to like where you want to be. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to build process automation for business enterprise. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't know any children know. Who, right, <laughs> who are, who are thinking that. So, as you uh, as you went into college, so we uh, when you went into through your college uh, years, did you get a? So I don't have a tech degree. I have a communications degree because my dad was like, "You need to get a business degree." You know, yeah, building website stuff. Get out of here. You know, so like, what was what was that uh, that journey into like the professional world, like through college and such? Yeah, I mean, it. it kinda, I think a lot of people it was what I find really cool that end up in tech. You know, a lot of them don't even have tech degrees. Like I know several people here at Microsoft that have, um, you know, marketing degrees or, you know, art degrees and things like that. And then kind of work their way through that. Mine, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. So I thought, you know, I'm, I like helping people. So maybe I'll go into teaching. So that's kind of what I initially went in for. Um, but then I kind of segued into, I was also like passionate about politics. So if like, so I've kind of changed my major probably about three or four different times between political science and education and uh, marketing. And I finally landed on uh, information technology. So I didn't go for like the hardcore computer science, but I kind of felt like the, you know, MIS path would help me do both business and maybe like marketing type side of things and you know building cool stuff which is ultimately what I, I decided that I wanted to do and then possibly even teaching so I had all these kind of passions but I just couldn't decide the way that I wanted to go down um, so I ended up in the MIS double majoring in MIS and marketing and I didn't really find I think exactly what I wanted to do until an internship that I had in college at a local casino um, so I kind of had the chance to rotate between the different segments in the IT department there, like so help desk and, um, of course, the application development department. And that's where I really found my passion for developing and SharePoint because they were in the middle of a big SharePoint implementation then. So I got uh, thrown a headfirst in the C-sharp book and said, learn C-sharp development. I hadn't did really much development up until that point. Um, learn this and help us uh, write some custom web parts for our new SharePoint implementation. So kind of stuck with it ever since. And that's how I found my way. I love the journey. So teaching I find is, is one that I, I, I see a lot of develop people in the IT field where they went in thinking they're going to be teachers or, mm -hmm. or something. And, and I think that helps with everything that you're doing, 
right? That when you're making yeah. the videos and everything like that and speaking, and I, I think there's a lot of ties and a lot of correlation there. Do you think that going in through education as opposed to going like for like a CS degree, do you think that that helped you ultimately? I mean, yeah, I think having that experience, you know, I ended up only having a few of those classes before I switched my major, but I mean, going in with that mindset was really helpful because, you know, if one thing it teaches you that, you know, one of the key things is patience, right? Uh, with any of this, whether you're teaching, you know, kindergartners to, you know, IT professionals, um, you're, you need a lot of patience to, to walk um, people through things. So I think that was the biggest thing that I learned from going through a few of the, the education courses and, you know, how to break things down simply. So try to target the audience that you're talking to and, and explain things in terms that make sense to that audience. Yeah. I sometimes, sometimes our inclines are, are very much like, like uh, school-aged children, right? Sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> without naming any clients, but yeah, I know I totally get that where you're, you're trying to break something down and, and introduce somebody, something to, to somebody that often seems like a foreign language. You know, you have to break down barriers or explain it in different ways because technology in itself can be intimidating big yeah. time to, to somebody who, who doesn't understand where and that's kind of gets us into this whole trends of, of low code, no code where, uh, which is where Microsoft is, is starting to move with the power platform, which you're an advocate of and when you're building it. And so I had a very mixed feeling when, when, when it was released, much like when you talk about WordPress, so I grew up a, a developer. And so when I'm developing and I'm writing code, and then all of a sudden now people can click and drag to build websites. And I'm like, well, what about me? Like, you know, what am I yeah. going to do? And so as a SharePoint developer, now you're saying that I, that I can spin up things without having to do any coding. And, it, and I kind of like felt hurt a little bit for maybe like, I don't know, not, not very long. Don't worry. But it, it was it was very interesting to see because now with this low code, no code movement, you're putting the power into power users instead of developers where we have this switch almost where you don't need a full development team. You really just need somebody who understands kind of the flow and it's more process oriented, which I love. So t tell me a little bit about low code, no code and the movement from what I just kind of stumbled around, whereas movement from developer to, to just somebody who can understand processes. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on something, you know, really good there. I mean, and that we do need to address, right? Oftentimes for, you know, code first developers, um, that are used to programming in traditional languages, you know, you could be a little bit fearful of a technology like the Power Platform. You know, is is my job going to be needed um, anymore? Are my skills needed? Um, I think it couldn't be further from the truth, though. And we're seeing that really play out because we're seeing a lot of what we're kind of calling fusion development teams. So really, if anything, all low-code platforms like the Power Platform are doing is actually giving us a way to expand our development teams. We're always going to need people you know, like myself and yourself and all the code-first developers out there that know how to write C-sharp, JavaScript, whatever it might be, code. Um, but we're just giving an extension point. And it's really, you know, what I find cool about it is making it to where the code-first developers can focus on what they actually want to focus on. So I don't know many code-first developers that love building in authentication for their applications. And typically, you know, we all have some area of development we're passionate about, like whether it's front-end, back-end, and all that. And a lot of times, I don't know about you and the jobs that, that you've had, but some of my early on jobs, I had to be the jack of all trades mm -hmm. there. I had to do everything. Um, but with, you know, Power Platform, you can choose, like, if you like back-end development and 
building APIs is your thing, you can leverage those skills to bring those into the Power Platform so that you know citizen developers, whatever we want to call them, people that know the process really well can help you through getting those requirements and even build out maybe the front end of it within Power Apps. But you inject all of the much needed business process and AI uh, API integration and things like that into the process and bring your skills there. Well, I feel better now. So thank you for that. <laughs> and so your Power Platform is the is the new shiny tool. I guess it's not that new anymore, but there are still a lot of organizations out there that it is relatively a new tool for, and it's a lot of a, a, a learning curve. Some of them think that, oh, well, I don't know when to implement and I don't know when to, when to start with it. And so there's a lot of different views out there, mine included, that you have to you have to kind of take different steps to get to Power Platform, or some others think, hey, let's just start from the start from Power Apps, and then we can build things around that. So I would love to get your kind of view as an advocate to say when is the appropriate time to introduce Power Apps into data. It's, it doesn't have to be SharePoint, although I know a lot of organizations are coming from on-prem and yeah. they have the SharePoint list already. But I would love to get your point of view as to to when is the appropriate time to introduce Power Apps. Yeah, I mean, so maybe talking about the SharePoint aspect of that, maybe when to introduce that, you know, obviously, I come a share, from a SharePoint background myself, I've been using SharePoint for several years now, it has great use cases with lists, right, we can build lightweight applications, almost just leveraging SharePoint list and surfacing that up to, you know, have new form information and put that and see it in the list. So there's still always going to be use cases where a SharePoint list alone is sufficient for what you're trying to accomplish. But um, oftentimes when you need to go beyond that. So when I start thinking of scenarios where we maybe want to use Power Apps instead is when we need to inject data from multiple different sources. So maybe you want to have data from your SharePoint list and be able to integrate that, but maybe you also want to pull in information from Planner or um, an Azure service somewhere, whatever, SQL Server, whatever it might be. That's when Power Apps can really help and when it starts becoming beneficial to leverage that in your application. Also, you know, do you need to do anything complex in the solution that you're building? Is there a lot of kind of conditional logic involved in that? So if someone selects this, then I need to do this and that and maybe have permissions built into the process there in the application to show different pieces of information to different groups of people. Um, we can do all of that easily with Power Apps, leveraging, you know, merging in and mixing in different data sources, writing to other systems, um, easily integrating with Power Automate for workflow automation, and easily, you know, adding in that conditional logic. So that's when the decision point really becomes helpful from a SharePoint perspective. And really the same applies for whatever you're using, whether it's Excel spreadsheets or, um, you know, Azure or you know, whatever it might be. So do you have like some common use cases of like, is there something that more people are asking for about Power Apps more so than others? Like are there popular use cases that people are coming to you with? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I've got on my YouTube channel, for example, is uh, Template Tuesdays. So I started building templates based off of, you know, before I joined Microsoft, I had my own consulting company. And I started off in the SharePoint development space doing a lot of, you know, custom code, but we just kind of segued to Power Platform consultancy. And I noticed when I was doing that for a few years that I had several common themes and applications that I was building time and time again. Some of those are, you know, things around time management, whether that is a timesheet application, a clock in, clock out process, 
And then also maybe submitting time off, you know, for paid time, uh, PTO requests, things like that. That's a really big area where I see that. So kind of those more, um, you know, HR type scenarios, all the way from, um, you know, operation scenarios, um, inspection reporting, applications that you might be using, say, in the field. So something that if you have someone needing to be able to pull up their mobile phone and inspect an oil rig um, in the field or whatever it might be. Those are also great use cases for Power Apps because it has that support for desktop, um, mobile, and tablet baked in. You only have to build the application once and it's um, be able to use between all of those platforms. So those are some of the different examples that I've seen common themes there. Yeah. I, so time has been a big one for us too, especially since uh, you mentioned clock in, clock out. So with SharePoint and Microsoft 365 as a whole, really, you get into like those compliance measures. And that's why a lot of, I think a lot of organizations are using Microsoft other over other tools that are out there is because the compliance built in, the security center, the, everything that goes into the Microsoft 365 platform, right? HIPAA, and every, all those, those fun acronyms, right? And we just built a time management portal, which is on a Surface. And it's a power app where you just you clock in, clock out, and all of the other data that's captured on that don't they don't know. You type in a pin, and that will populate all the other data from the SharePoint list, which is already captured. So we're building a ton of those too. Like I I, I had never when I first got into SharePoint, it was more for like document management. Yeah. And then which I think is what everybody kind of thinks when they think of SharePoint, they think of documents, you know. But there's the list aspects and the and the the calendars and the tasks and there's so much other things that you can do with it that is really, um, I think, brought more to life through the Power Platform that maybe they didn't really know about or was kind of overlooked and ignored, like lists. Which I, I uh, we, we don't have to get too big into SharePoint, but I'm a SharePoint nerd, so I love to talk about. I this. mean, same here. So we could talk about that all day. <laughs> all right, good. So the list um, application that Microsoft just released. To me, it's just a way to get people to pay attention to lists that have been there forever, like the custom lists. Like I just did a YouTube actually um, on how to create a SharePoint list out of a template from lists so that because they're, you know, creating a list and creating columns and conditional formatting and all that stuff. It's time consuming. But yeah. now Microsoft has sent this us this list application, which. At first, I didn't know what it was, and I kind of like looked in for a while. And now I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever! Like, yeah, you you give me these things that are already pre-built. This is fantastic. But was that the purpose kind of behind the Microsoft release of lists? Was just kind of to get people to pay attention more to the capabilities that SharePoint has had for years? I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing too. I think is important to note. Most people don't realize is Microsoft List is really just kind of a a rebranding almost of SharePoint list. So, and I think your part one of the goals of that was to, in a way, be able to maybe abstract the SharePoint list because one of the other big things with Microsoft lists that's to point out is it gives us the ability as well to create a list where the data is connected to say someone's personal OneDrive account rather than an actual SharePoint site. So if you needed a use case where you need to track uh, you know, tabular type data like that, but not necessarily be tied to like, you know, your internal department site, we can personalize those as well. And it gave us a new list application on our mobile device to better interact with those. And then also, you know, to your point, I think one of the other big things it did was show how you can easily create, you know, better looking and easier to use lists with conditional formatting and some of that SharePoint list formatting capability. 
that we've had there for a while that might be a little bit hard to you know get into initially if you're starting from scratch but by providing those templates it, it makes it way easier to get started yeah i i i think it's really cool i i was kind of iffy about it at first i was kind of like i feel like this is kind of like a cop out like why are they releasing this application and now i'm like this is this is incredible like <laughs> yeah. I, I love it now so yeah I, it, it's very cool and it plays into the power platform i i'm like a believer that the power platform can do anything these days Whereas before, so there was what InfoPath is kind of how I see that yeah. has evolved into the power platform. Uh, I guess that is like Power Apps is, is wiped InfoPath off the planet, which thank God, because that app was not my favorite. Oh yeah, I did way too much InfoPath forms development and SharePoint designer workflows in my days. So believe me, that's why I was such an earlier adopter of the power platform. I was doing this consultancy and like 80% of my time was building InfoPath forms and trying to maintain them and, you know, oh, you know, heaven forbid if you have to do code behind an InfoPath form. So that was horrible and miserable. Um, so as soon as I heard about this Project Sienna thing, which turned out to be Power Apps, I was uh, all on that and started switching over all my clients' stuff to that. I love it. I think it's so cool. The Power Platform is, is uh, constantly evolving and you're constantly getting new updates, which I, I think is the coolest part about this, one of which was a released in in March, which I think you did a YouTube video on was uh, PowerFX. And yeah. so the Power Platform as a whole has long had, you know, for those who don't know, Power BI, which is for reports and business intelligence. Then you have uh, Power Automate, which used to be called Flow, which is essentially just uh, automation within your environments and tying everything together. I, th I think it's kind of like the ribbon. And then you have Power Apps, which builds applications inside of your business, which I can't tell you how many people have, have DM'd us or called us or emailed us asking if we can build them a phone app. I'm like, it's kind of different. So, <laughs> but that, that's what Power Apps is. And then there's a new one called Power Virtual Agent, which we'll get into here in just a second. But with um, with PowerFX, it ties in all of these applications through universal language. So what all went into that? And, and thank God it came through. But with PowerFX, are we going to start to have to rebuild our Power Apps or our stuff around this new language, or how is that going to work? Well, so, okay, so to break it down, PowerFX really is not anything new per se. It's more about Microsoft saying their end goal for the language itself. So in Power Apps, we have two different types of apps. We had what was called model-driven applications, and then we have Canvas applications, which is what I, I tend to focus on as the Canvas app side of things. Now, in our Canvas applications, we've had a way since the beginning, kind of like a formula language, which was based off of the formula language that Excel uses. So if you go look at some of the functions that we have in Excel and compare that to the functions that we have in Power Apps Canvas apps, there's a tremendous crossover. So that's what the Power Apps Canvas app language, now known as PowerFX, so they just pretty much gave it a name. We never had a name for it before. We just said, oh, yeah, the Power Apps formula language. Uh, now it's called PowerFX. And what they have did with this is they've released the vision to make that a holistic language across the Power Platform. Because right now, if I want to go you know, format a date time, I do that in a Canvas app one way. But the formula for doing that same thing, say, in a Power Automate workflow expression is completely different. 
So what they're announcing is eventually, not, not today, but eventually they're going to unify that approach where we have a one holistic language like that, that we can use across the entire platform. So there's less barriers to entry, having to learn how to do, you know, a formula this way in one product and differently in another product. Yeah. Which there's an, I feel like there's enough technology updates out there that there's so many people that are learning different traits and different yeah. certs and different, which if you were to start out at all over again today, is there a specific certification or path that you would, that you would go down or recommend others to go down? Because like, I, like I just said, there, there is like, a million different certs, just like within Microsoft, I feel like. So like, which way would you go or tell somebody who's who's uh, looking to get into the into the industry? Well, you know, for Power Platform specifically, we actually have a ton of different certifications and they kind of build on each other. Uh, so we have a power, the one I recommend starting out across the board is our Power Platform Fundamentals. I believe it's the PL900 um, course, because that kind of covers all the Power Platform products and really focuses on do you understand the difference between the products and the use cases for each? So that's a good level set because if you're wanting to get into the low code space, you need to be able to, you know, be able to identify the differences between all the products and when you would use them. So that is where I usually start. And there's a good learning path on docs.microsoft.com that walks you through everything you need to know about that. I believe it's about eight hours or more of content on there that you can walk through. Um, for that. And then we have, you know, other certifications that build off of that based off of what you think you want to do with the Power Platform. So I've, I think I've taken all of the certifications now. The next one that I did was the uh, App Maker certification. So that one is if, if you know you actually want to be someone building applications on the Power Platforms, whether that's in Power Apps or Power Automate, because an application in the Power Platform usually is a mixture of all the products in one way. You typically don't have a Power App, for example, that doesn't interact with the flow in Power Automate in some capacity, or maybe has a Power BI dashboard in the back end to be able to analyze and surface up your data. So that app maker really goes a step further into that, into some of the specifics. So we just talked about Power FX. It might go into what formula do you use for, you know, to do this date time formulation or whatever it might be. So that's usually the next step. Awesome. Yeah. I, so I had not heard of the, the 900, the, the, what'd you call it? Is a PL 900? Yes, I believe so. I'm pretty sure it's the PL 900 power platform fundamentals. I'm going to look at, so I'm taking the MS one. It's like the team's trainer or something like that right now is the way yeah. I'm going. Cause I, I'm like, it, there's so much to learn. There's, there's so much. And I got into the, when I got into the industry certifications, it was like, what, what do you mean certification? Like, what is that? You know, that, I mean, that was years ago. And so I just kind of, played with everything and learned just by stumbling around. So now I love all these training resources. Like I said, I watch your YouTube, like, like that's my trainer. You're, you're my, my guru. I didn't know if you knew that or not. You're, <laughs> no, so, <laughs> yeah. When that's, that's like what, where like a lot of developers I feel like are learning these days is you go onto the YouTube and there's so many tutorials or so many great resources. And uh, so PL 900, I'm going to start making all my developers take that. So sorry guys. But, and so that leads into, um, virtual agents, which that's, I feel like I could be wrong. And I've been wrong multiple times uh, today. <laughs> and, and, uh, and power virtual agents is this chat bot um, functionality, which does it use the power effects? Or will uh, it? No, it, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So it will, you know, it all will eventually, but it's slightly different. You don't really need in power virtual agents to write any formulas. 
Um, so kind of how it works is if you need to do any kind of logic at all like that in the agent, like maybe go pull data from something, you're typically, you're interacting with Power Automate. So we have a call and action capability in Power Virtual Agents that lets us go execute a flow in Power Automate and return data back to the agent. So kind of all of that type of logic layer, um, you know, formula level type stuff would be done in Power Automate. And so how, what, like what would, give me a, an example of how a business would use Power Virtual Agents. So many different use cases. I mean, really, it's for any customer service type scenario, right? So I mean, we've all used virtual agents, I'm sure, in some capacity. Like if you have a issue with your order and you need to, you know, figure out how to return it, right? You're probably interacting with a bot and a virtual agent there to go return information and, and send you a printing slip. Or, um, you know, maybe you're trying to find out more information about like, you know, how, what are your store hours? You've probably interacted with a virtual agent um, a lot as well. So those are some common use cases. Another one that I see a lot in like corporations adopting power virtual agents is HR type scenarios. So, you know, things that you might have emailed your head of HR or something for like, hey, I forgot one of our company holidays are again, or how do I submit my time off request? Those kind of simple questions, those knowledge based type things where you could easily put a Q&A together that someone could go read. But the benefit of taking that capability, that you know, knowledge base type stuff and integrating that into a power virtual agent bot, being that it gives a more chat based uh, conversational interaction with that rather than saying, just go click on this link and read this document on SharePoint to, to see that. So and I think that's something that's changing right now is people want more of that conversational based interaction rather than just go reading documentation. So uh, there are very few times when I don't feel like I'm crazy. Usually I feel like I'm just uh, absolutely insane. And thank you for bringing up like the HR bot. So we built a, a VA internally and I built it around the, the onboarding process. So I took all the questions that people usually asked me or HR and, you know, exactly what you said, when are the holidays? Mm -hmm. How do I register for 401k? What's our health insurance? Like how many days off do I get? And we put it into this power virtual agent. And so one people like, like using it yeah. because it's it's like fun almost you know they're like oh i'm gonna do it again let's ask it again you know let's try let's run this back so like uh, that part of it i feel like is cool it's a lot and you get a quicker response than just like writing me an email or shooting which don't ever please write me an email anybody internally please don't do that shoot, or they shoot me a team's message something like that right where the the bot i feel like is is more fun to use and it's quick and it's easy to update like that was so that was our first use case was the it's an it's our onboarding bot. And uh, so thank you for not making me feel crazy because I, that was like when I saw it for the first time, I was like, that's yeah. it. I mean, right. It's like the perfect use case that same thing with like uh, common IT uh, scenarios. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times when I was doing SharePoint stuff, I built IT knowledge bases for businesses on their SharePoint sites, you know, where we had a nice mm -hmm. little accordion to click through and see the questions and answers for common things like, how do I request a new device? Or why isn't this working? How do I get started using SharePoint? Things like that. Those are easy things that make total sense to use a bot instead. Because like you said, and people actually like interacting with those. I mean, it is fun and it's way more entertaining than having to sift through information. You can just ask it exactly what you're looking for and not have to scroll through the page to find it. Um, it's just so much better. And I think I read something interesting, like 15% of customer service 
scenarios now are automated in some capacity with bots. So I think that's just only going to grow. Yeah. Do you think that bots will take, so like there are intranet homepages, right? Which is SharePoint has kind of long served as the intranet where we have the hub sites and the communication sites and all of that. And so what we've been doing is we've just been, been taking virtual agents and putting it into our communication sites. And so it's a few clicks and then there's your virtual agent. Yep. But do you think that ultimately virtual agents will kind of take over intranets or do you think there'll always be a place for, for an intranet? That's a great question. I don't know. I kind of feel like there's always going to be a place for an intranet, right? I mean, I think we want that kind of holistic landing page where we can see information and, and consume it how we want, right? I mean, there's always going to be some people maybe that don't want to use a bot for something. And um, I don't know. I just really feel that there's always going to be some kind of use case for an internet, but I think we're going to see more and more integration with bots for more specific scenarios though in our internets. Yeah. I, I'm a big internet fan. Uh, but like I said, we, we are, a lot of our buttons or clicks or heroes or all of it with it basically points to a virtual agent at some point in the, yeah. in the flow, but I'm with you. I, and I love the hub sites. I love the way the new look of the communication sites in, in the SharePoint environment look. And I, I mean, the Power App platform is only getting cooler and cooler with all the buttons and galleries and the transitions. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. So whatever you guys are doing over there, you can put me down for the, the check mark of I think it's really cool. So uh, well, I, I, I thank you so much for, for coming on and spending some time with me. Um, good luck on your next karaoke uh, <laughs> venture. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, this was fun. I could, I could just keep chatting all day about all this. Well, let's do it again. Because I, um, I I love I could talk about SharePoint and Power Platform for forever. So I would love to have you on again. And I'm going to, uh, you know, if you say yes, I'm going to hold you to that and push this all over the Internet. So uh, <laughs> but I would love to do it again. Um, it's been great. It's, I love nerding out on, on Microsoft stuff. So thank you so much for for entertaining me. Yeah. Uh, happy you asked me to be on here. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, that is the uh, process automation queen. There she goes. We'll uh, we'll, we'll have a, a little clap for you on your way out. There's the yes, the standing ovation. I wish I could give you more of a standing ovation, but here, here in the COVID world, that's that's all we're gonna get uh, for right now. So thank you very much, April. Guys, go check her out at SharePointSiren.com. She has a great YouTube channel. Like I said, I watch her YouTube pretty much. I'm I'm gonna say daily, and I require people in my organization to watch them. They're all over our team channels and everything like that. So guys, definitely go check her out and welcome to season three. Again, guys, if you like this, what you just heard, you're going to hear a lot more of it here in season three, because we're going to get a lot more technical, get talk about some business use, case, use cases and ways that you can build some low code, no code things and take real action in your business today. So welcome to season three, innovarepodcast.com. That's where you can listen to all episodes, including this one, or you can go to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all of those fun places if you like listening to podcasts instead of watching them. Well, guys, hope you had fun. Hope you learned a few things. And until next time, see you. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Innovare Podcast. You can listen to all episodes at InnovarePodcast.com, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts are found. If you enjoy watching podcasts, check us out on YouTube for a visual behind-the-scenes look at all Innovare podcast episodes. We have recently released a community of entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Innovare Mindset. That's Innovare Mindset to join the private group of entrepreneurs changing the world. Until next time, guys. 
See ya.